Today's episode of the Listening Podcast is brought to you by you, our valued listener. Thanks for tuning in. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Listening Pod. You can give us a review on iTunes. That would really help grow the podcast. And uh, just tell a friend who loves music about our podcast. We'd really, really appreciate it. With that, let's start the show. Welcome to episode 94 of the Listen In Podcast, the only music podcast by music listeners for music listeners. These are your two hosts, Sean and Jake. What's happening, people? And uh, we have a great new episode for you. We are talking new St. Vincent. We're talking new Courtney Barnett and Kurt Vile. We have uh, the return of Two Truths and a Lie, Jake, after a long hiatus. I'm very excited. So we have a good packed show for you. America's favorite segment. It is. Finally returning. I've been a little bit lazy. That's okay. The ball's been in my court with that for a while. <laughs> I just haven't. I mean, to be fair, I could easily have done one too. <laughs> yeah, true. I just haven't done it. Um, but we're up to episode 94, and what we do is at the start of every episode, we talk about the corresponding episode number in the year in music that happened. So we're on episode 94. What albums, Jake, came out in 1994? It's a packed year in 94. Listen to these. You got MTV Unplugged by Nirvana, mm. Illmatic by Nas, Definitely Maybe by Oasis, Dookie from Green Day, Vitalogy from Pearl Jam, wow. The Downward Spiral from Nine Inch Nails, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain from Pavement, The Blue Album by Weezer, Live Through This by Holes, Jar of Flies by Alice in Chains, Ready to Die from Notorious B.I.G. How's that? That's a lot. That's That's a lot. Wow. Let me see if I can find one more for you. Ooh, we'll go off on a bang with uh, Pink Floyd's The Division Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Which one of these things is not like the other? Um, The Downward Spiral. Oh, dude. Grace by Jeff Buckley. Monster by R.E.M. Wow. Oh, Bush put out a record. <laughs> oh, Bush. Portishead. Good. I didn't know Portishead was active in 1994. Uh, no, I've never listened to, to Portishead. Perfect, not that I have yeah. either. Um, interesting. Wow, that's a packed year. That reads like a best albums of all time, or be- at least best albums of the 90s. Yeah, dude, that Offspring album, Smash, came out. Yeah, wow. I think that's that one that's like, I think that has Keep Them Separated on it. Uh-huh. I could be wrong. That's I, a loaded year. I'm probably just... Very loaded year. Yeah. Very impressive. It's interesting that there was so much good new music that came out that year because basically nothing happened history-wise. Are you ready for this? There's two things on the Wikipedia timeline for 1994. The first, the North American Free Trade Agreement goes into effect. NAFTA. That's just, This is just Clinton years <laughs> just at their height. Keep it at an even keel. The big thing that happened, the 1994 Northridge earthquake... Kills 72, injures 9,000 in the Los Angeles area. Damn. Caused $20 billion worth of damage. That's such a 1990s thing, being worried about, like, earthquakes. It, yeah. Landslides. It, really, it really, really is. Know? And actually, if anything, 94 bucks the trend a little bit of hard years in history yield fruitful years in music and in art. True. Because if anything, that's one of, that is the epitome. Is there any more Clinton 90s sounding year than that? No. There's 1994. Not. There's not. That's like the height of that. Because that's a, like, to be honest, I mean, like, I feel bad for the people who were hurt in the earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, come on. (laughs) Like, we, like, the next year we're going to have, like, the Oklahoma City bombing. Is that, I thought that was 97. 95. Is it 95? 95. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. We're jumping ahead. Yeah. We are. So, Jake, let's dive into some new music talk with uh, one of our favorite recurring segments, 
hot thoughts. And by recurring segments, we mean literally every episode. We oh, do yeah. segment to start the show. Yes, yes. Uh, hot thoughts is the segment name. Uh, let's start out, Jake, with uh, the new album from St. Vincent yeah. called Mass Seduction. To be honest with you, you know what's weird? For the longest time, I just read this quickly. I thought it was mass education. I was like, ooh, nice, St. Vincent. Educate the masses. This is good. Promoting learning. And I was like, oh, no, it's mass seduction. So we both misread it for different reasons. I just phonetically misread it, and I thought it was mass eduction. Uh, yep. I that like, makes sense because she's doing that thing where she's combining letters, and yeah. I don't love it. I don't love that. Well, And you know that this violates um, my and your rule of, of hating all caps. Yes. I just don't can't, care for that. I can't titles. do all caps and I can't do all lowercase. I need you start out the title with one capital letter, the rest is lowercase, and that you leave it at that. So two very good albums this year. Well, I, I think I will eventually think of Mass Seduction as a very good album. I am still getting into it, mm. I think, a little bit at this point. But I was going to say that two albums uh, violate those rules this year where oh so oh so goes all lowercase, yeah. <laughs> which kills me to look at because yeah. it looks like they look like files on your computer. Yes, it like yeah, it looks unofficial. Oh. And then with all caps, it's just too it's too aggressive. It's for too me. much. It's like you're yelling at me. So um, you, I think, have listened more to Saint Vincent in the past. I have yes. dabbled in Saint Vincent. Um, I would say this is the album that I've now listened to most. I've listened to those other albums by her like one or two times here or there. I never got way in, but I think this is going to be my way in. So what are your okay. thoughts? Here's the deal with this. Uh, this is a good album. I can't say it has not grabbed me. Really? I, it, I've not wanted to listen to this very much. Okay. And I think that's a product of, you know, I was at a wedding this weekend and I, it was taken up. By, a lot of time was taken up by that. Didn't get a chance to really listen. I've had a tumultuous week, you know, otherwise as well. Sure. Really haven't had the mood to listen to this album, especially one that's like this. That, yeah. you know, I, something about this, with the exception of a few songs, leaves me feeling a little cold. Here's the a, songs are good. It's just I, I'm having a hard time connecting to them emotionally. I'll be honest, and I, I think that that's always been with St. Vincent, for me, what the issue is about. Okay, where yeah. Even with that last album, was that a self-titled? Yeah, just, yeah, St. Vincent. Even with that yeah. album, I remember thinking, like, all these songs are good. I don't want to listen anymore. Right. And this album bucks that trend a little bit, I think because I'm just trying harder. Yeah. But also because I do, I've, I've managed to find little moments that I like throughout yep. it. That being said, it still is one of those albums, and this will maybe come around in our end-of-year superlatives, of an album where I really like it when it's on, but I never want to listen on. to it. I yeah. never want to put it on. Yeah. Um, but I think there's some some really good songs on here, and I think it's no surprise that some of my favorites are New York is is like a classic song already. That, almost that is one of my favorite songs of the year. Yeah, it's I also New York. Really love Happy Birthday Johnny, which is in a really similar good. vein to New York, where it's more sparse. It's her on piano. At the end, there's some really nice either steel guitar, or lap steel, pedal steel. It's one of those sort yeah. of sounds. Really mournful sounding, yep. and I, I love the lyrics like "Happy uh, Happy New Year, Johnny." Is there are there lights on the trees? Like those those are lyrics that just like hit me where you you know what they mean and you don't totally. And she's referencing the uh, the Johnny from the song Prince Johnny on her last album, the oh, self titled album, yeah. which is one of my favorite songs on that album. So yeah, the thing with Saint Vincent, you know, I thought um, you know I, I've listened to all of her stuff. I think each album has actually gotten better. Every right. one I like more than the last one. 
uh, leading up to St. Vincent. So with this one, I was like, yeah, new St. Vincent. You know, we haven't had a new album since 2014. This is going to be great. She's one of the premier, I think, indie rock artists that we have. She gets so much critical love. Great, Yes, she does. Great guitar player, nice voice, writes really good songs. And uh, yeah, I mean, New York is great. I love New York. I really like Los Angeles. Yeah, I do um, too. You know, the Happy Birthday Johnnies of the World, um, Slow Disco, you yeah. know, songs like that, Hang On Me, the first track. There's a few in there that don't necessarily feel like older St. Vincent. It feels like she's taking a step in a different direction that is still good, but maybe just isn't my favorite version of St. Vincent right now for, ask, for what I want right now. Let me ask you what you think of the song Pills. because the I f- don't love Pills. Because the first time I heard Pills, I thought it was going to just annoy me. Yeah. That melody, which I, I swear to God I've heard before. It's, it's probably a, like a f- commercial. I think like, it's like that's what it's kind of getting at. Right. And um, I thought it was going to annoy me. I actually like that song more than I thought. Pills, pills, pills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pills to fuck. Pills to sleep. <laughs> yeah. There's like, there's a part at the end, and I'm actually sort of failing to recall how it goes, but I know that the last like 45 seconds of Pills is really, really cool. Um, and I agree with you about Slow Disco. That's one of my yeah. favorite songs. That The Dancing with a Ghost going into Slow Disco yeah, it's, is nice. Um, T-Mac was nice. And, T-Mac was nice. And Smoking Section, barely remember how it goes now. Off the top of my right, head, but right. I know that when I finished the album, I was like, I'm always like, that was uh, that was nice. Yeah, yeah, and I think that too. And I always get to the end of this album, I'm like, oh, you liked that more than you thought you were going to. And that's what I'm saying. But I think the start for me is tough because it's pills, which I'm not huge on. Yeah. I know that part at the end you're talking about, and I agree. Then you go to Mass Seduction, which is one of my least favorites on here, and then Sugar Boy, I don't love either. So you get a run right there, right at the start, where I'm like, I don't love these. But then you get into a nice little run with, you know, Los Angeles, Happy Birthday, Johnny, New York, etc. So, you know, I think the verdict here, and I think this is something we've been learning throughout the year, is let's not be quick to pass judgment, especially when the mood hasn't necessarily struck me, at least. Me neither. To give this a ton of listens. No. I'm going to let this breathe, and I'm going to, you know, go back and listen to it on my own time and then maybe form an opinion. And if I choose to just not go back because I'm listening to other stuff, then that's the fate of this album this year. That's what I would say, too, is that this is an album I've been casually enjoying while understanding the fact that I haven't really been in the mood for it. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of in a, in a just a different mindset musically this week. Me too. Um, but I, I have, I would say I've been enjoying it, and, and um, yeah, I did definitely think it's worth a listen. Here's an interesting thing I wanted to talk about quickly. If we had done an over-under pod, um, over-under bet on this, before the Pitchfork review came out, um, I would have thought the over was a lock because the reviews oh, yeah. on Metacritic, it has like a 91. Yeah, it's very It has insanely high. high reviews. And I was like, okay, and Pitchfork has always lauded St. Vincent's work. Um, and I would have thought that the over was, again, a lock, depending on where we put it. I think we would have probably set it at, what, 8.7 or something based mm, on her last work? Maybe She's like had best eight, music. Eight, eight, four, eight, five, just to account for, you know, what. So this is what I wanted to bring up, actually, about that is Pitchfork seems to be consciously absolutely knocking down some of these indie rock stalwarts they're sacred cows to almost prove a point to distance themselves from not only those artists but past pitchfork as well what we used to stand for and now we're we're not standing on that mountaintop shouting out these artists he's like we're, we're trying to do other stuff and it's 
it's annoying. It's really annoying. They did it with Father John Misty. They've done it with St. Vincent. They've done it with a couple others where you're like, you know what? This deserves to be probably a best new music, and you're giving it somewhere in the seven range. And, and you could even argue they kind of did it with the National because I think right. um, there's no way Sleep Well Beast doesn't deserve a best new music if Trouble Will Find Me did. I think right. it's as good an album or better. Um, yeah, they, it's definitely, again, for them, it's, a, it's an editorial decision, mm-hmm. and it comes down to... Um, who they want to be promoting and how yep. they want to appear to yep. certain audiences. And in some ways, it's like, whatever. I'm not going to yeah. worry too much. Yeah. Um, I will say that on our over-unders for the albums we picked this year, and we'll talk more about this in our end-of-year pod, but the under overwhelmingly won. Four out of the five over-unders we picked for Pitchfork scores. I think the only over was Fleet Foxes. It was. It that, was. Which is, a, a, it, that bucks that trend a little it, bit. It does, it does. But... <sighs> I don't know. It just seems like they're consciously doing it. It it is annoying. It seems like they're doing it. So, it's so transparent what they're doing. Sure. I feel yeah. like you know. I I don't know. I don't know. Pitchfork doing pitchfork things, but it'll be interesting to see how the next year shakes out with our yeah. over unders and yeah. It's going to be dependent on what we pick too. Yeah. You know, like, some might not even be you know best new music's at all. We'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Agreed. So. We go from the precision and um, musical virtuosity of a St. Vincent and Annie Clark to some sloppy sort of relaxed vibes with uh, with Kurt Vile and Courtney Barnett. Yes. Um, another new album. It's called Lotta Sea Lice. Um, that I don't can't imagine translates well to like hearing it and knowing how to spell that. It's L O T T A like Lotta and then C like an ocean lice like like. <laughs> Like lice. <laughs> um, so this is an uh, album that uh, was announced, I think, a while back. I remember talking about this months ago, and I yeah. sort of forgot about it for a long time. And then Courtney and Kurt released "Over Everything" as the first single for this, which I really, really liked. I thought it was a cool sort of um, very interesting uh, sort of melding of their two sounds, and sort of interesting to hear them sing together. Um, so the full album came out. Last week, um, I've been listening to it off and on. My immediate take is that it's pleasant to listen to, even if the songs aren't all great. Yes, that's a great way to put it. And again, I haven't really been in a new music mindset the past week. I've listened to this like maybe once or twice. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I was like, that was good. Yeah. I was like, I can't, honestly, I can't pick out one song, even over everything. I think you like that more than I do. I do, I think, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's a good song. I, I don't I don't feel super compelled to go back to listen to any of these individually or as a whole even. And I love both these artists, especially Kurt Vile. It's just, if you want that vibe, I think there's other stuff to listen to that is maybe a little bit stronger. This is an album I think that will stand the test of time for the reason that it's more interesting than it is good. Yeah. It's interesting to hear them sing together and there are some moments where I really think they hit on something really interesting. The highlights for me on this album are Over Everything, I really like Fear is Like a Forest, Uh, Continental Breakfast is one of the more relaxed ones. I really enjoy Courtney singing Peep and Tom, which I think is interesting. Um, and I think one of my favorite songs is actually the last track, Untogether. Mm. I think it's the best that they sing together on the album. And um, it has, I think it's maybe one of the best written actual songs. Because a lot of these sound like they, and from what I've heard, this is really what happened, is they met up when they were on tour somewhere close. Yep. 
brought recording equipment, brought their guitars, and basically, like, one of them would have an idea for a thing, and they'd kind of just both go at it. And I don't really think either Kurt Vile or Courtney Barnett are sticklers for structure. No, it does not seem that way. And it definitely bleeds into the record, and I think you're right. This is almost more of we want to hang out and just do a fun project together yeah. rather than this being a strong artistic statement in either of their discographies. I had a thought just now when you said this will be more interesting as time goes on just for them partnering up. It kind of reminds me of the Traveling Wilburys. Right, exactly. You know, shout out Tom Petty, RIP. George Harrison, RIP. Roy Orbison, RIP. Yeah, he died while they were still active. That's right. Bob Dylan... Hang on, buddy. Yeah, come on, man. I never love... Even the best Traveling Wilbury songs, I'm always like, these should be better, you know, for the amount of talent that you have. Yeah, because it's like, it's it's, it's too much. Yeah. It's too much of a good thing. Yeah. And it's, but I love At the End of the Line by the Traveling Wilburys. I think sure. it's a great song. Yeah. But I would I would have no interest in listening to a full record by them. No. Because it's like, yeah, you're going to be good. You're all, like, the best songwriters fucking ever. <laughs> so, yeah, like, right. okay, we right. get it. We get it. Right. But it reminds me of that where it's like, it's more interesting looking back, being like, whoa, those people got together and put out a record, yeah. rather than this is actually great on, on its own. Interesting side question. Where in the... Uh, the ranks of traveling Wilburys. Does George Harrison rank as a songwriter? Is he better or worse than Petty? Is he better? He's worse than Dylan. Dylan's has Dil- the, is the best songwriter right. in that bunch. I don't know enough about Roy Orbison to say one way or the other. See, Roy Orbison wrote some classics, and he was like really influential. Yeah, I, I think know. he wrote all his stuff. Tough. That's tough. And Jeff Lynne oh, of yeah, ELO, he's pe- last, right? People don't. T- well, here's the thing, though. People don't take ELO seriously, but he wrote. Everything for ELO. Yeah. And Great producer, too, right? From yeah, what I understand. And the yeah. songs he wrote, like, sure, I don't know that any are as timeless as something or Here Comes the Sun, but, like, on the whole, did he write more just good songs than George Harrison? Is George Harrison sneaky the worst songwriter in that bunch? Could you make that argument? It hurts me to do it. He's I mean, maybe the most famous. Yeah, well, I mean, that's... Even more famous than Dylan. He was a fucking Beatle, yeah. you know? Well, and the thing is, like, with George Harrison, the the difficult part of that is, like, as a member of the Beatles, he wrote three of the Beatles' best songs. While My Guitar Gently Weeps, Here Comes the Sun, something. There might be even others that are you could argue are in that category. But I think that's the, that's the yeah. high echelon. Yeah. Well, like, I think something... It, and some people say, While My Guitar Gently Weeps, I've always been partial to something. I think that's just straight up... A top five ten Beatles song. Oh, one hundred percent. Just something. Like, yeah. Well, oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but solo career, George. He wrote some good stuff. Right. Um, but I've always thought all things must pass is a little dated sounding, and yeah. that not all the songs are necessarily great. And and he had a bunch of clunkers in the seventies. Got my mind set on you. Like he, I mean, I like he that brought song. that into the world. A cover, by the way, I, which I yeah. think is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's it's an interesting side note, um, listeners. If you think that George Harrison is the worst songwriter <laughs> in the Traveling Wilburys, <laughs> I did not think we'd get there not, in this in this episode. Not from Kurt and Courtney, which I like calling them. Um, so, anyways, the, the the sort of for me the takeaway from Kurt uh, Vile and Courtney Barnett's lot of sea lice. Mm. I don't like saying that name. I don't like the album name. I don't like it. Um, my takeaway is that I think it's an enjoyable album that is more enjoyable than it is good for me. Yeah. And I like hearing them sing together. And there were moments on this where they reach great. 
Yeah. And but for the most part, it's like this is good. This is pleasant. enjoyable. Pleasant. Yeah. And I think I'll end up popping it on as like just something that I enjoy listening yeah. to more sure. than I take seriously. Yeah. As that, time goes yeah, on. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so speaking of Pitchfork, Jake, um, we had a new best new music this yeah. past week. It was one of the highest rated Pitchfork albums of the year. Nine even. Got a nine, which the only other two albums that also got a nine were Kendrick Lamar's Damn and mm. Lord's Melodrama. I and forgot. Then King Cruel with The Ooze. Speaking of, and this is again. This is that is how a, you say Is that what this is I, called? I've, I've been going back and forth between. I've been saying it, The Ooze. Maybe it's The O-O-Z, but there's no the, dots. Yeah, so I've been saying know. it, The Ooze. Yeah. I was like, again, all capitals. I don't like that. I don't care for that. I was like, maybe it's Zoo backwards or something. Yeah. Speaking of the 9.0 albums, Melodrama is so fucking good. It's amazing. I listened to it again the other day. That album is better than I even it's thought. It's amazing. As it's going to rank high on the yeah. end of the year list. As good as I thought it was back when it came out, I, I like it even more now. You know what's not going to rank high on the end of the year list, Jake? What's that? This album. The- I do not. Oh, so th- this this. And I might be alienating some King Cruel heads out there. Okay, I'm fully aware of that. I only listened to this album once because it's 19 fucking songs in over an hour. And if you're a longtime listener, you know how we feel about overly long albums. Especially ones that don't seem to have any direction or melody or yeah. anything. You know, other than just having all the sound songs sound relatively the same. Yeah. Um, anyways, this is what I'm trying to get at with, with Pitchfork. Where... With the St. Vincent album, they give it, what, a 7.6, 7.6? They give this a 9.0. When you look at the Metacritic scores for St. Vincent, it's she's up in the 9s. King Cruel's down in the 70s. Yeah. What's uh, What are your takes on this? I am, I listened once. I'm never going to listen again. It's I understand if some people like it and can get down with this, and it's more about just, like, feel and yeah. um, atmosphere. I... I'm okay with that. I get that. I get that through other styles of music. I don't really want that from King Cruel for over an hour, over 19 tracks. What are your thoughts on this? But the Pitchfork thing, first of all, I think they've always been an Archie. They've been Archie Marshall acolytes since the beginning. I actually really liked that Archie Marshall. Um, uh, what is it? A new place to drown. I, I did too. Album that came out a couple years ago. I, I think did too. This has similar sounds to that. Um, I did give it a second listen. Um, even though after the first one I was like, huh, that was kind of long, and it was sort of a lot of like what you were describing, sort of. Um, his voice can be a little much it's for a, me it's sometimes. A little, it's a little too much. It's like very. I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like he's. Re- oh, we have uh, Archie Marshall in studio recording with us today. <laughs> that was it. I feel like he's in, like he's always right up on the mic. Here's what I'll say though, to be honest, um, and. I don't think this is a debate, but I, I, the second listen I like better. I will say that. And here's the thing. I'm sure if I listened to this five, six times, I'd come around on it. And I'd yeah. be like, yes, I like this. I'm understanding it better. I just don't feel like putting the time in. Sue me. I, no, I, I won't sue you, and I, I don't. You can do what you want. Okay. I, I think <laughs> that with my second listen, what happened was little. It was that thing you were describing where it really was more about atmosphere. And what I was finding was... Upon second run through, I was like, oh, there's that little thing I kind of mm, liked last time. Mm-hmm. There's that other thing. And I think that it is ultimately too long and not quite enjoyable enough to me right. to be one that I'm going to return to a lot. Right. I will probably give it another listen or two and see how I feel after those. Yeah. Um, because, there are, again, there are parts I like, but there are definite turnoffs in terms of, of this sound over this amount of time. Yep. 
you know, for the you know this duration and and this unyielding a vision for what he's doing with the ooze. <laughs> um, uh, but I can see where it's like if you were all in on his aesthetic, why you would be all about this oh, album. Yeah. Uh, I think that. I get the vibe that King Cruel is one of these guys who you just get him better if you're British. Yeah, what? Yeah, I think so too. That's what it seems like. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna understand him better. Yes, because he's definitely British, right? Yes. Yeah. Yo, he is. Yeah, he is. He I is. thought so, and then when I said it, I was like, I hope I'm not wrong. Yeah. No, he is. Okay. It does seem that way. Yeah. I, I don't know. Just it's one of these albums that is probably actually really good that just doesn't totally jive with my tastes, and I don't feel like putting the time in so once you get this late in the year too it's like man there's a lot of other stuff floating around to still listen to and refresh my memory on do i really want to put the time in on this hour-long album that you already weren't loving maybe not so you know we're late late in the game for this yeah i gotta say i was disappointed by how long it is that was the biggest turnoff for me but um i I'm I'm interested to see what one more listen will do, mm-hmm. um, and I, I certainly don't have things to pull out from this album yet. I I right. barely because excuse me, like you said, the the sound throughout it is 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 a lot of this sort of like very echoey, dark sort of um, this tone that that he seems to bring to the table that mm. Archie Marshall seems to be partial to. Um, and it's, I think, in smaller doses, maybe something I can get down with. I, I think for a, an album of this length, it's not always totally mm-hmm. for me. I, I'm going to give it more of a shot. If there are King Cruel heads out there, let us know what it is about him that seems to be blowing people's minds. Yeah. Because I'm not sure I get it, even though I, I can say that I casually, very low stakes, enjoyed parts of my second listen to this album. <laughs> that was the most tentative endorsement of all time. Well, it's just, I mean, it's just the truth. It's just like, yeah. I, I was i was listening, I was like, there are parts of this I can get down with. Yeah. I can kind of see what's going on. Parts of it I'm not feeling at all. And I was sort of like, I, I'm just on the fence there. I'm not mm. going to, I'm not going to commit hard to loving it, but I'm certainly not going to say I hate it. Sure. So what I've learned, Jake, is with these three albums, for me at least, I didn't have a lot of strong takes. I didn't have a lot of strong opinions because I really just didn't listen to them that much. That, that was the reality. And going into this week, I thought I would listen to all of these more than I actually ended up doing so. Well, that's okay because I think last week was – or two weeks ago, I had a similar week recently. Yeah, and it happens like, sometimes. You know? Because we put ourselves on this schedule where we're like we have to listen to every fucking album that comes out. Yeah, and maybe – so. This is this is a little just like talk shop about the the pod Let's for what serious. people can maybe see coming for next year's maybe a looser structure with you know new album talk or revisiting yeah. albums we've already talked about once we've been able to listen to them more so yeah we'll we'll figure that out as we go yeah. we'll figure yeah. that out here's one Jake that uh, our final hot thought. That I'm actually very excited to talk about. I'm I'm uh, I'm thrilled. There, there's this band out there called Greta Van Fleet. Let me ask you where you heard of this. Okay, band. Uh, interesting. So I used to be a reader of Barstool Sports. Okay, uh. I don't really check it out anymore. What I will check out sometimes is their Reddit page. Just to see what all like the controversy is and see if there's anything about pardon my take in the TV show and things like that. So I'll check that out from time to time. And someone posted something. They're like, there's always a music thread in here. So let's talk about this. I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is up my alley. 
And it was this blog that actually ended up being on Barstool that they wrote about this band, just got like Led Zeppelin is alive. Wow. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I, I, I saw this. I was like, I'm going to check these guys out, listen to it. And that's how I ended up finding this artist. So for anybody who doesn't know or hasn't heard, there's this band called Greta Van Fleet. And it's this group of three brothers, I think. Three brothers and a, and a friend. Yeah. Who drums. And they're from like Michigan or something. They're like 21. These young kids. And they sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. Like, exactly. These could have easily just been Led Zeppelin B-sides that were in the vaults for years that they released. Because So not only do they have the riffs of Jimmy Page in here where they're, they're doing guitar riffs, not only do they have a drummer who plays in the style of John, John Bonham and they record his drums to sound yeah. like John Bonham's drums, not only is that there... Um, they all not only do they have a song on here that sounds like "Thank You" from Led Zeppelin II, <laughs> yep. complete with like organ fade out. Yep. The the piece de resistance here, Sean, is that this singer sounds exactly like Robert Plant. And, and the thing about it's, Robert, it's, it's fucking crazy. It, it blows my mind. The thing about Robert Plant is everyone said, "Oh, no one sounds like Robert Plant." This kid does somehow. Yeah, and it's it. It's it's like actually prime years Robert Plant, not pre vocal cord surgery or, or post vocal cord surgery Plant. This is like 1970 Robert Plant. To me, it sounds like, especially in some parts, he sounds like the earliest of Robert right, Plant, like yeah. even like Zeppelin One, yeah, pure 68, little deeper rumble. Yeah, but dude, he's doing stuff with his voice, like on that last track, Black Smoke Rising, yeah. where like he even trends a little bit towards Getty Lee a little bit with the precision mm, how he's hitting mm-hmm. the notes. Robert Plant was always like more blues and growl. But there are things he's doing with his voice on this EP um, where it is just, you're literally like you're listening to Robert Plant. I, I, I can't believe it. I watched a second of one of their music videos just to like see what they even look like because yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I'm seeing this dude sing this way and it didn't make sense to my brain. It looked like he was lip syncing, which he was for a music video. Oh, sure. But you can't believe that this guy can sing this way, which only brings me to the conclusion that... Um, Robert Plant's voice was even more of a gem than people think about. Yeah, I know. Because it's taken this long for someone to approximate his style. I I can't believe it. So here's the thing. This four-song EP, it's called Black Smoke Rising. It's very enjoyable because if you like Led Zeppelin and you like that that sound, you're going to be drawn in because they're just so blatantly, I don't want to say ripping off Led Zeppelin. But kind of. But it's such an homage to that. It's so spot on. You can't possibly not like it if you if you like Zeppelin at all. And here's my thing about it. I, I almost don't know what to make of them because it's so spot on. Right. You know, like it's it feels weird. It does feel weird. It feels like, uh, uh, oh, there it is. Oh, no, that's Led Zeppelin on my phone. <laughs> that's literally, yeah, that indistinguishable. Was how, that yeah. was how many more times um, that just played on my phone. Uh, lost my train of thought because of <laughs> it's just it's it's so weird that they sound so much like them. Yeah, it almost uh, verges on like parody or or yeah, like that's satire. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, because it's so close, um, and it's almost like did you guys have any other influences? <laughs> <laughs> right, or did you only grow up only ever listening to Led Zeppelin, and you think music? Can only sound like this. It's, yeah, it's like you took four kids from the time they were like nine 
and you gave them instruments and you said, this is music, like, make this. And you played Led Zeppelin 1 through 4 on repeat for their entire life. <laughs> yeah. And just had them all focus on an instrument. Yeah. And this is what the product is. <laughs> like, listeners, seriously, like, when John told me about this, I was like, okay, I bet they sound kind of oh. like Zeppelin. I bet they, because you were saying they sounded exactly like them. Yeah. I was like, we'll see. I pop it on. I was honestly blown yeah. away. I can't, yeah. I can't put into words. And, it's, and here's the thing. With, with the singer, it's not with every single thing he sings. Because there are some moments where it's like, okay, he's that's a, not quite exactly how Plant would deliver it. But there are moments where... Um, it sounds exactly yeah. exactly like Robert Plant, and these drum fills too—the Bonham-esque drum fills, yeah. like that big thud in yeah. there. Yeah, and also I love that they structure this like a Led Zeppelin album. Like they have the the a few rockers on there, then they have like the acoustic song. I think it's called Flower Power because of is. course it is. Yeah, like right. it's so spot on. It's Almost too much. The, the, my only conclusions could be that one, this is um, intentional, and they realize how much they're doing this. Yeah. Or two, they're so like young and naive and carefree that they don't even realize how much of a parody they are. Right. And, and it's I enjoyable. don't know. It is. It's, it, and I'm gonna listen more, and I'm excited to listen more. I just don't know how much staying power they'll have. You know what this kind of reminds me of is, is sheer mag. Yeah. In its own way, where it's like, oh, they're going for such a sound and such an aesthetic that it almost is more novel than it is yeah. quality, well, you know? Yeah, and I think Sheer Mag is a better band than, oh, than yeah, they're yeah, going to yeah, end up being, yeah. unless they expand their sound in some ways, because with Greta Van Fleet... <laughs> It, <laughs> Even it, this band name, like, what is that? It really does feel like it's like they're in one gear and it's Led Zeppelin gear. <laughs> right. And that's just it. And right. It's actually hilarious right. how much they sound exactly like Led Zeppelin. <laughs> and it'd be one thing if they had the riffs, which they do, yeah. or the drum sound, which they do. Um, I'll have to listen more to the bass playing. But just to hear this kid's voice is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's fascinating. You know what it has reaffirmed for me? That my favorite part about Led Zeppelin is actually Robert Plant. Yeah, well, it is for me too. Yeah, it is for me too. When I was a kid, when I was younger, I was like, "No, it's Jimmy Page. It's the riffs, man." Well, the riffs are amazing. You can't. But it's it's at this point in my life, it's Robert Plant. We've discussed this before. Where with Led Zeppelin, I have moments where any of them are my favorite member. Right. I have moments where John Paul Jones is my favorite. Right. When I'm listening to Lemon Song and he's playing like this, just boom, out boom, of this, boom, 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 yeah, boom, boom, yeah, this out of this world funky blues yep. bass riff. And, like, Bonham is so enjoyable to root for. And then Jimmy Page came up with, what, like, 20 of the best riffs of all time? Yes, yes. But Robert Plant, what's so interesting to me is that they found this guy. Like, Jimmy Page found him at a bar. Right. Like, he was just, like, this 20-year-old kid. Can you imagine, like, what went through Jimmy Page, this studio musician with all this polish? What went through his mind when he saw this dude just out in the wild? (laughs) Singing with that voice, and he's yeah. like, uh, "Like, all right, can, can I have that? Like, yeah. can that be in my my band?" Yeah, because dude, I don't think people even knew what to make of Robert Plant no. when he hit the no, scene. No, I don't think so. I don't no think one, so. No one at the time saying anywhere close to the way he sings. No. And it took this long for somebody to also do it because he has like this. It's this combination of a bluesy growl, but he has this high Whale. register, yeah, and an incredible range. Where he and it's like it's so powerful. It's not just high pitched. Like Plant is high pitched, but it's got all this propulsive power behind it. Mm. Robert Plant's fascinating to me. He is. He is. And this band Greta Van Fleet is fascinating too. 
Check this out, listeners. Check it out. It's four songs. Yeah, it's 16, 16 minutes. minutes. It's check it out. It, yeah, if you're gonna listen to one song, listen to that to Highway Tune, the first one. Yeah, it's good because that's the one that most closely is like okay. They're <laughs> yeah. doing a Zeppelin thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on, Jake, to our think piece B side yeah. uh, category here. So this was an interesting question that I saw on Twitter, Twitter, and if you follow me, you probably saw me answer this already, but I thought it would be interesting to bring it up on the podcast. So I saw somebody ask, and I forget who it was, so I apologize for not giving credit. Uh, it asked, of all the albums that you consider to be a classic album, which ones do you think the least amount of people agree with you on? It's an interesting question. So, you know, everybody kind of has what we actually don't like to call guilty pleasures. We don't think those exist. No. Guilty I've, pleasures don't exist. It's I've, just you like something or you don't. Yeah, I've gone hard anti-guilty pleasure. Me too. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? There's definitely albums out there that I'm not always the most excited to maybe go to bat for because I just know that other people maybe disagree. Yes, in the ones I came up with here, there were two in particular. It was Samstown by The Killers and American Idiot by Green Day. I truly think both of those are classic albums of the 2000s yeah. that stand the test of time that I still enjoy listening to now. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I was a young kid when I was listening and you know, there's those thoughts all wrapped up in them. I still think they're great albums. Most people disagree that Samstown is the best Killers album. I think it is. I think it's better than Hot Fuss. I think it's better than anything else they've put out. And there seemed to have been huge backlash, which I think is now rescinding now, about American Idiot after it came out. People say Green Day sold out. It's like, dude, they sold how many copies of Dookie the, the, in 94? The, 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 there was maybe no musical narrative in middle school and high school that bothered me more than Green Day sold out. It's like, dude, Green Day... <laughs> Is is one of the more famous rock bands in the world. <laughs> right. Dookie was enormous. Had like right. four or five radio hits. Like, <laughs> like it, it, they they played good riddance in the Seinfeld finale. <laughs> right. And these shitheads have the nerve to say, "Oh, they sold out with American Idiot." It's like, dude, no, they didn't even come close to selling out. They just did more of what they do well. <laughs> right. Exactly. They wrote really catchy songs. Mm -hmm. That's also on my list, American Idiot. Yeah. So and, th and, those and in some. At some points, I consider including 21st Century Breakdown. I thought about that, too. The thing that stopped me, it's not that I don't like it enough, because I do. It's that I can't... I don't think it's a classic. I no. really don't. It's a good... I think it's a good album. It's not a classic. That's why I didn't include it. But that's another one where it's like, that one's even more embarrassing to kind of cop to. That, like, yeah, I fuck with 21st Century Breakdown. I like that album. I mean, there are parts of it that make me cringe now. Like, I I don't really... 21 Guns? I don't get down with 21 Guns too much anymore. Um, the Know Your Enemy. Know Your Enemy yeah. is actually okay. Yeah. What else Horseshoes is Horseshoes and Hand Grenades. Dude, there's, good song. there's a lot of good songs yeah. on there. It's... A classic. <laughs> <laughs> the revisionist history is strong. So those were my two, like, yes, these are definitely what I'm going with. To a lesser extent, and this is more just peers, less so than critical consensus. Because I think right. you'd have music writers and critics who will just openly shit on Samstown and American Idiot. I think you'd have some that still go to bat. These next two that I have, Yeezus... Right. And basically any Joanna Newsom album. This is one where the critical consensus is certainly there and very, very strong. Peer wise, I have 
gotten basically nobody with the exception of one or two people who are down with Joanna Newsom. It's either like you also agree that she's great or you fucking hate her. I just want to go on record as saying that I like Joanna Newsom yes. and that I greatly enjoyed that album that came out a couple years ago. Divers. And that I liked, what's it, Milk-Eyed Mender? Milk-Eyed Mender. And that I still have yet to make good on my promise to myself to get into her catalog. Ease um, is her, her be- I think, her best album. I hear you. And it's just that when you listen, Sean, to new albums every week... Mm-hmm. For a certain, uh, you know, podcast or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Finding time to get into a catalog, especially when, when you work, when you work full time, and you have this like constant list of I podcasts know. I'm trying to get through. Yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard to find the time. I really want to. It's rewarding, but the thing is, and to that point as well, it's not like these are easy listens either. This is an intimidating, difficult artist to get into but it is so worth it in the long run but with her i'm not intimidated because i really like what i've heard what about have one on me or is that that's got to be a little it's just a long listen two and a half hours i can't say i'm scared of it right right. you know what i mean i'm not like freaked out by the prospect of listening it's just like it's like do i even do i even have the time right is more the question right right but that those are two other ones where i i haven't really met many people who would be like, yes, all of those Joanna albums are, are classics with the exception. There's one person who I've met in my life who says yes to all of those. And everyone else has not only just been like, ah, she's okay. It's it's vitriolic like hatred towards her music. Well, the reaction people seem to have when you show them Joanna Newsom is, is her voice. And people don't seem to just like it. People yeah. don't like the sound of it. Yeah. Which I disagree with, yeah. but it, I I can see why it would be sure. polarizing. Sure, because it's it certainly it may be a little of an acquired taste. It, it, that's the thing. It is, and I it, I guess the thing that bothers me about it is that people just write it off immediately, and it's like yeah, it's it's different. Like yes, it might not sound amazing on your first listen in passing, but it's like you can't then be like oh I don't like her. It's like well you really haven't given her a chance. So right, you know that that's what frustrates me. And then the other one on here, Yeezus. Obviously, critical consensus is there. We are in lockstep. This is my second favorite Kanye album. I'd have to do some thinking about whether it's my second favorite, but I love Jesus. It, so I think there, I think there are a couple tracks that are just not that strong, which is what holds it back from being in that conversation. I think I like Late Registration better. I'd rather listen to Jesus, and for that reason, it's my, it's my favorite. Yeah, it's my second favorite. We've gone around on this before. Yeah, I definitely anyways, get it. Many people who I talk to say Jesus. They don't like that much. They like a few songs here and there. They like Blood on the Leaves. They like they don't even like New Slaves that much. They don't even like Black, Black Skinhead. Skinhead that much. Um, they like Bound Two and they like Blood on the Leaves and you know they kind of leave it at that. And well, it yeah. blows my mind because this album is so fucking good. Even a song like uh, Hold My Liquor featuring Justin Vernon, like that's an amazing, amazing song. It's another th- situation though where what happens with people, I think, is it's such an abrasive sound. Right. And he went for and like he does not slow down with that, and he his lyrics are probably the most appalling Kanye ever got to on this album. Yeah. On Jesus and just like with on site right right from the jump. Right. It's just this industrial yep. noise. Yep. It's just basically him like rapping over this just great it almost sounds like someone cutting like with a with a steel saw <laughs> cutting, through, cut, through pipes. Cutting metal. Yeah. You no, know? it's true. It's true. And I think that is a reason why people don't 
take to it as much as they would something like Graduation or some of those earlier albums by him. But that seems to be an interesting split between the critics who are like, yes, this is one of his best albums and one of the best albums of the 2010s. And then my friends and acquaintances who I talk to who seem to be lukewarm on it. Right. Yeah. So what what did you have in response to this question about albums you deem to be classics that other people don't really seem to? Um, so a couple older ones for me. One is um, the B-52's first album that I got into in high school. Um just is one of those ones where it's like I don't think I'm gonna get any catches with that one. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna reel that one out. Yeah, and, and it's not gonna be bait for any of my friends. No, for I think it has not even me. No, well you listen like once in high school. True, but so maybe I'd actually like it more now. It's a good album. It's a really good yeah. album. Yeah. It's quirky and that, but that's part of its appeal. Yeah. Um and but and it's definitely silly. Right. But I had a big time phase with this album where I got really into it. And it, I think you can't argue it doesn't have critical acclaim because it does. It's right. on like the Rolling Stone 500 greatest albums of all time list. But in terms of albums that just would not be a connect for my peer group, it's the B-52s. Yeah. I don't think anyone yeah. gives a shit about it. And I don't even blame them. Yeah. Another that one for sense. me is Aerosmith in general. 70s Aerosmith. So the specific ones where I think I'm in lockstep with critics are Rocks and Toys in the Attic. But I go so far as to say that I love Draw the Line, their self-titled album, and Get Your Wings. And, Sean, Draw the Line is an album that was critically panned. <laughs> and you're, you think it's a classic? For me, it's a classic. That's, I love that. That's I great. love Draw That's the Line. exactly what this question is supposed to draw out. And, and uh, Draw the Line. And the thing yeah, is, is yeah. uh, Stephen Hyden, I was listening to his podcast today, he was talking about albums like uh, Goat's Head Soup by The Stones, where you can hear a band falling apart. <laughs> yeah. This is where Aerosmith, <laughs> like they, 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 the excess of the drugs and seventies nightlife, yep. and just like being these total addicts, out of control rock yep. stars, um, just really hit a wall. There are some really good songs and really good riffs on here, but they're a little out of control in terms of like the ideas they're trying to pull off. Yeah, it's like they have some of their, but I think it gets unfairly maligned because there are some of their sleaziest, coolest riffs on this album. Mm. And it's like, it truly is like just weird though. Yeah. There are parts yeah. that are weird and probably not that enjoyable for right. people who don't like them. But I think they have a run of five albums in the early seventies from their self-titled to get your wings to toys in the attic, to rocks, to draw the line. I really enjoy it, all of them. It, and you you listened to them a lot when you were younger, right? That middle school, early high school range. The story for me with Aerosmith is that when I was a kid, my mom had their greatest hit CD, a two-disc CD, Yes, um, in her van. And so we listened to the hits all the time. And I, I really, really liked Aerosmith. I was mildly obsessed with them when I was like 12. Yep. And so when I saw that they had some albums that were really critically acclaimed when I was a little older, I was like, I'm going to get into their albums. So I got into Rocks and Toys in the Attic. Which are amazing albums, especially of their time. They're incredible for like what they're going for. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I still see Aerosmith is one of these bands where what happened to them too is they did all the wrong things to remain relevant years on. Right. They didn't. If they burned out, like for example, if they broke up after Draw the Line, I really think they'd be looked at differently. Oh, I'm sure they. They'd would. be looked at as this like classic band, like what could have been. Right. Instead, they became too famous for their own good. Yeah. They released like. Dude looks like a lady, an angel, and mm. and albums in the eighties and nineties that were commercially successful, where they had Ghostwriters on, mm. and they were on the Armageddon soundtrack, and they right. have a roller coaster at Disney World, because like Steven Tyler is just a red blooded capitalist. <laughs> yeah. He's just gonna get that paper. He's gonna be a judge on American Idol, like, et cetera. Dude, yeah, yeah, they, they did yeah. all the moves 
They, and to be fair to them, they committed hardcore to just not being cool anymore. Right. Right. And but it but it has definitely limited the ability for me to like talk about them in any context yeah. with friends yeah. and be like, no, take these albums seriously. And no one gives a shit. No one will even try. Yeah. And I don't blame them because why would you take Aerosmith seriously? Yeah. And, and so what I was gonna say and why I ask that is I think there's something about that age where you if you listen to an album yep. enough, even if it's dog shit, yeah. is going to be a classic for you. And what this jogged my memory on, Jake, and I'm adding this to my list. I really think this is a classic, and I'm going to go home and listen to this or listen to it in the next few days. The Young and the Hopeless by Good Charlotte. Oh, yeah. This is an album that features the anthem, Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, Girls and Boys, Hold On. The, the hits go on and on on this album. I can't wait to listen to it. This is a Sean Howe classic that I think people would laugh me out of the room if I told them that. They probably would, and here's one that I'm going to go as far as to say is a classic for me. Um, and it's Meteora by Linkin Park. Oh, yeah. See, I think... That was a big one for me. Yeah. And I, I did listen to The Young and the Hopeless, but that was still when I would listen to albums mostly just for individual songs. Okay, see, I bought this album. You did work just, with this album? I put in work. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I never yes. really did, but then I listened to it all the way through a few times. With Linkin Park, though... I listen to that album all the way through like a lot, yeah. and I really, really like it. Which just jogged my memory on another that I oh, I lost. I'm it. sure there's so many more. I had another. Yeah, just I'm now. sure. I'm sure there's a lot more. Damn it, it's um, gone. Yeah. So, listeners, let us know any any albums out there that you love that you think are classics that other people definitely don't. I would just I'd add, be very interested. I would just add that if you're including Jesus, I would similarly include it on my list because I, I, sure. I think it's a classic too. I yeah. think it's you know definitely among Kanye's best albums. I don't know if I put it second, but I, it's it's among his best albums okay. for sure. Okay. Oh. Um, all right, let's move on. We Like I said at the top of the episode, we finally have a true truths and a lie. We've come back after a long hiatus. I'm excited. I meant to do this in the episode where we talked about the Nationals' new album. And we had like two or three episodes where we did talk about the Nationals. We did, and we just didn't do this national two truths and a lie because I was too lazy to look up facts. And, and, that's, to, and that's all right. And I finally did it, and... Uh, are you ready, Jake? I am. I think it's a good one. I've been mixing weed with wine. I'm ready to good, go. Good. I'm on a blood bus. <laughs> okay. Number one. The National released their first two albums in the Cherry Tree EP on their own label, which was called Brassland. They then signed with Beggar's Banquet to release Alligator after the process of running a label became too complicated. Okay. Number two. Sufjan Stevens was once a neighbor with Bryce Desner in Brooklyn and was featured as a contributing musician on Boxer. Okay. And the last one, the release of the Virginia EP was supposed to accompany a documentary film about the recording of Boxer and feature footage of their live performances from that tour, but was ultimately scrapped due to time constraints. Can you repeat that last one? The Virginia EP was supposed to accompany a documentary? Yes. Film about the recording of Boxer and footage of their live performances from that tour. But it was scrapped due to time constraints. <laughs> so we have National released their first two albums in the Cherry Tree EP on their own label. Eventually signed with Beggar's Banquet because the running a label was too complicated. Sufjan Stevens was Bryce Dessner's neighbor and was featured on Boxer. Virginia EP was supposed to accompany a documentary film. Which are the two truths? Which is the lie? All right. Um, 
This is a tough one. Those are all very, very believable. You yes, did, you did, you did your homework with this yes. one. Th those are good. Um, uh, I'm going to say that the one I think is false is... In some ways, I'm doing this because it sounds the most right. And to, to what I'm thinking might have happened is you mixed things that are true and put them into a lie okay. and like change the facts a little bit. Okay. The one I'm going with as false is the Sufjan Stevens uh, was the neighbor and is on Boxer one. Incorrect. Damn. <laughs> Incorrect. That is true. I, that so is true. The reason I went with that is I was like, I bet what it is is they weren't actually neighbors and he wasn't featured until like Trouble Will Find right. Me or something. Uh, that was all I had. That, these are good because these the were only, good ones. The only the line. The Stevens one is true. Was Bryce's neighbor, was featured on Boxer. My second guess was going to be. No, I don't have one because they were both really good. <laughs> Which is it? Uh, the one that's false is actually the Virginia EP one. So they actually did just release a documentary uh, of the making of that, which I've never seen. That would be really interesting. And no one really talks about. It's called A Skin, Comma, A Night. And Whoa. it's I, I don't think it's actually that good. And that's why I've never really sought it out. And oh, the, I think it's like the, hard to find. The documentary itself is not good. Yeah, I don't I, I've heard it was like it wasn't just like here's them making this album. I think it was like slightly artistic and like uh, was sort of a miss in terms of like what you'd want out of it. But again, I've never seen it. Might be an interesting thing to track down and see at some point. And they did run their own label and they did release their first three records okay. on that before it was called Brassland. That so, was good, man. You got me. Those are some good ones. Little <laughs> national trivia for you. I wonder if people play along from home. I, I, if, hope, I, I hope they do. If I were if I were listening to this, I would definitely yeah, guess. Yeah, I would too. I would like, I'd like try to get it right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, Got a couple recommendations of the week? Yeah, we'll close it out with recommendations of no, the week. No, that's not true. We have a new segment to close out each new episode We have a new segment to now. close it out. That's right. I yep. forgot about that. So we will not close it out. That's we right. will continue on <laughs> yep. rolling with recommendations of the week. Mine is just Joyce Manor in general. Um, big friend of the pod, Hunter recently tweeted at Joyce Manor asking about Guided by Voices. And I was on the Listen In Pod um, Twitter account, and I happened to see it. We weren't even mentioned in it, but I was like, oh, here's my two cents. Mm -hmm. um, and then I actually ended up getting like liked by Joyce Manor because I, I threw in that tweet about uh, Robert Pollard's baseball career. Yes, yes. Um, and so... You know, sort of interacting with with big stars this week. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you know, I said I had a busy work at, uh, week at work. So <laughs> busy I, week tweeting. Yeah. yeah, where did I even fit that in? Who yeah. knows? It's a, a miracle I did it. But um, I went back and I listened to um, <clears throat> Cody today. Yeah, I listened to their self titled album, and I re listened to some tracks on Never Hung Over Again, yep. which is my favorite by them. They're a really good band. So good. They're a really so good, good. And and Barry, I think is his name, yeah. Barry Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um. Not a name you'd expect for someone <laughs> no. uh, in like our general age group, Barry. <laughs> no. When I think of Barry, I think of like a, a soul singer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, great songwriter and just a really, really good sense for melody and for hooks and for m meeting that with a lot of power in terms mm. of how their band actually plays. Mm -hmm. um, Never Hung Over Again just continues to grow on me oh, yeah. even to this day. I love that record. I mean, I love I love Cody, too. Yeah. But I think Never Hung Over is probably my favorite by them. Oh, yeah. I, I would say so, too. And my recommendation of the week, listeners, I can't stop beating this drum for the Oso Oso album that came out this year, the Unihon mixtape. 
this is going to rank very highly at the end of the year, and literally no one, including my co-host Jake, is talking about this album. And it's so enjoyable, but it's just flying way, way, way under the radar. It's unfair. Check it out. Catchy as hell. Well, I don't know if you watched your Spotify feed today, Sean, because I gave it a listen today. Oh! And is it because I you saw me listening to it? No, was oh, it because okay. I, was it, I gave it a listen today too? No, it was because I ever because you've been talking about this incessantly. Yeah, kind of being an annoying little prick about no, it. No, 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 <laughs> it hasn't annoyed me, but it's made me think like, okay, it's one of those ones where it's just like in the blur of all the albums we've listened to. I liked it generally, and yep. then just didn't totally return to it. And then you and big friend of the pod, Josh, yep. have been all in on it. Yep. And so I was like, all right, I, I owe it another chance. I really, really enjoyed the listen I had. Today. Good. I'm good. gonna, I'm gonna keep going. Keep back. listening because this is actually one of those albums where it is just immediately enjoyable, but it reaches this new layer. And these little, there's these little melodies and earworms that you're like, I just want to hear that over and over again. Like when uh, Secret Spot like crescendos Secret towards really the end. Good. That's become one of my most listened to songs of the year. What I actually. Re- what I realized when I was listening again today <laughs> is that even though I haven't gone back and listened to that album in full in months, I knew a lot of the songs just because you play them so much. Yeah, I yeah. knew like half the album. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Better than I that's thought good. I would, and which made it actually a more enjoyable it, listen. There you go. So, there you go. Doing yeah. Jake a service over here. Very, very good. Uh, so Joyce Manor, also, also check both of them out. And here is our final segment. This was actually a recommendation by the aforementioned Josh. So Big thank you for this. This is going to be called Release Radar. Also his name. Also his name. So big shout for that. This is going to kind of summarize the new albums that we have coming out for the following week and might be some of the ones that we end up talking about on next week's episode. So here's the list, Jake, of what we have. Destroyer, Dan Behar, uh, new album coming out, Ken. I listened to the single from this, uh, Tinseltown Covered in Blood or something. It's good. I'm excited. You kind of know what you're going to get with Destroyer and Dan Behar. It's so funny because... I w- before I even listened to the first single, I was like, oh, it's called Tinseltown Swimming in Blood or Covered in Blood. I was like, I guarantee you those are just the first lines of the song that he kind of talks, sings. And it 100% was. I can it like, was his voice, Tinseltown Covered in Blood. I can and like, I was like, yeah, okay, there we go. I yep. can hear him doing it <laughs> yep. now. Uh, we also have Bully uh, with their follow-up to, I think it came out, what, 2014, 15? Uh, this album's called Losing. They're like a pop punk female fronted band um i really enjoyed their first album that came out a couple years ago so a trust tree for you sean i was just all day when i looked at this list and i saw bully on here i was mistaking them with with uh with guppy wait no guppy is an album by charlie bliss yes so i was mistaking them well two two blonde female front women so for both those bands, so there's a connection. So yeah. sort of problematic by me. Yeah. Um, but I was mistaking Bully <laughs> for Guppy, which is not gotcha. even a band. Gotcha. Via Charlie Bliss. Gotcha. Um, okay. okay. Yeah. So new Bully album coming out. We also have one from Margot Price called All American Made coming out. I never listened to that last Margot Price album. It got a ton of critical acclaim. It was on a lot of end of the year lists. I listened I, to one time. I, I never listened. And she's a, a huge Newport Folk Fest like friend and yeah. just pops up and it seems to be all in on the Newport Folk Fest scene. No, Sean, this next one on the list won't be polarizing oh, for God. anyone. Yeah. This this is Beach Slang coming out with their like 
acoustic covers version of past songs oh. that they're dubbing quiet slang and what they're calling this album because like of course it is is we were babies and we were dirtbags quiet slang these are just acoustic covers of past songs is this for real is this real life i don't know man and to be honest with you like even though the time we saw beach slang live i really enjoyed that performance um I continue to just not totally be all in on beach slang. So I... I don't think I ever truly was or could totally do it. I went for a walk the other day and and listened to beach slang. I listened to those first two EPs, and I listened to a couple songs from that first album. They peaked with those first two EPs. I got to be honest. Those EPs are really good and and arrived just fully formed and are, are such a specific thing. And they just kept making those same EPs over and over again yeah. and are just cashing in on that feeling of those first EPs. Not to say it's any of it's like bad. It's just it's diminishing returns after a while. And I'm like kind of out on new stuff by them and not excited by it. Still love those first two EPs. Yeah. And I still I enjoy that first album. With those first two EPs <clears throat> and with... Um... What is it? The things we do to meet people who think who, who are people who, who are like, just us, like us, who think like us, yeah. who dress like us. Quiet slang. Um, with those albums, I always generally liked them, and I think I was riding a little bit of your buzz. Yeah, yeah, I was. But, yeah. but to be frank, I it, it was never totally something I yeah. was like wowed by. Right, right. Okay, um, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, we also have the new Stranger Things soundtrack coming out, the season two, volume two, whatever release. Uh, there's some enjoyable stuff on that first collection. I didn't listen to the soundtrack. Did oh, you? it's cool. Yeah, yeah, you it's the cool. Whole thing? It's just nice, like si- the synth sounds that you hear in the show. Basically, I would enjoy that. It's good. You know what soundtrack I liked a lot? And I, didn't, I don't think I listened to the whole thing except when I saw the movie. Is that it's by a, a group or a, maybe a producer called Disaster Piece. Oh, it's yeah. the one for that yeah, for It Follows, that yeah. horror movie that came out a few years ago. There were a couple songs on that I listened to a ton yeah, that year yeah, it came out. Yeah, yeah, Uh So, new Stranger Things soundtrack. And then the last one, Wild Beast. We talked about them a few weeks ago when they announced their breakup. This is their final release. It's called Punch, Drunk, and Trembling. It's just an EP. Um, I'm excited to give this a listen. No, I, I love Wild Beasts. They're yeah. really good. I, I mentioned that like I'm kind of okay with them just finishing up because you have a just a... A body of work you can now look at and be like, that was Wild Beasts. Um, But yeah, cool that they're going out with one more release. So look out for those coming out on album release day tomorrow, and we'll probably talk about some of those next week. Yeah, I don't don't think... There's any other that I can think of like, that no, is that's no, it. I, I think, didn't even look at Metacritic. Yeah, yeah. No, I looked at Metacritic and what has also been really helpful is on Stereo Gum's album of the week article, they do a rundown just like that. Oh. And they have everything that's coming out yeah and that's what i i I drew from very nice yeah you've been beating the wild beasts drum yeah pretty hard yeah check out two dancers that's an awesome album it's just another one where it's like it's just a matter of time until i eventually delve in you gotta maybe cut back on some podcasts jake Maybe. Or don't, because just do what you want to do, and it doesn't matter. Well, and the thing is, is like I have been listening to a lot of new albums, like yeah, a ton. Right, right, right. Some just one time. Right, right. But I've been trying. I, 
have gotten into a better balance of just like I'm not gonna fuck with certain albums and right. just be like whatever. And it's opened up a little bit of time to go back and revisit some of these other ones or, or find new ones that didn't come out this year. A healthier work-life balance, yeah. it sounds like. Yeah, I think like. that's important for everybody. Cool. So uh, that's episode 94. We will be back next week. Uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks, y'all. Peace. On the mic, R.I.P. Gordon Hayward's leg in the Celtics season. What the fuck, man? Unbelievable. That was something else. So we watched this uh, game, the first, the Celtics opener and the NBA opener, here at my apartment. Um, had a whole group of friends over. Um, all the big shout to the win, wins pool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if you know you were here for that, and uh, we out here, we out here, and we're having fun. You know, we it was right after Jalen Brown had thrown down a huge oh, dunk. I was. I will never feel better about the Celtics season than I did in that moment. Me I was neither. like, yeah, Jalen's flying around the court. We yeah. got Hayward. We got Kyrie. Ky- Kyrie. We're, had, we're winning this game right now. Kyrie had a couple points. Gordon Hayward had his first two points as a Celtic. Jalen Brown was flying around. And Jalen Brown continues to impress. Oh, yeah. He's going to be good this year. Tatum was showing some flashes. He was a little, definitely a little nervous. Mm. Um, and then we just fucking fell silent. Because that Hayward injury was horrific. Gruesome. You know what I actually forgot about until I rewatched it for like a fifth, sixth time? <laughs> what? They scored on that play. Really? Jalen got a rebound and scored. Well... They, he's banging boards. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, Jalen just picked up two points. Yeah, he's he's out, out there getting rebounds over Gordon Hayward's right angle <laughs> foot, dude. That honestly, um, so that upset me more than I expected. Something like that would. Yeah, I was really affected by it. Weirdly, yeah, like I was in a bad mood after that. I was like, this sucks because, like, and this is what I realized is like. I over the past few years I might have watched the Patriots more. Celtics really are my favorite team in sports, mm-hmm. and when the Celtics are good, there's nothing like it. No, it's I, true. I get so excited, yeah. especially because like when I was a kid, man, the Celtics were my thing. Right, and so like I, the fact that they were going to be like really good this year, they added Hayward, they added Kyrie, and to have that all dashed in five minutes of play, and just really just to not know what we could have had with Hayward, yeah, is the biggest bummer. Is like. You know he probably came into the season in the best shape of his life. Oh, yeah. He's probably amped up, ready to go. Yeah. Fresh off an all-star season. Yep. 27 years old. Right Big in the new prime contract. of his career. Yep. He leaves East Bumfuck, Utah. Dude, that was a... For a real, like, cultural center. It's a grizzly, grizzly break. Yeah, it is. It evidently, is. it's actually... The prognosis is better than we thought. He evidently could be back in March if it went... All went perfectly. Yeah, and I, you know, I sort of don't buy that. I don't either. I don't either. We probably just won't see him this year. But what what source did you see that on? It was on Yahoo Sports. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Well, we'll see. Maybe we'll get him back for the playoffs or something. Because what I read was it was on a tweet, um, and the person who wrote it out said that the doctor said it was a clean break, no ligament damage. Oh, okay. Which made it 
a cleaner thing. He dis so what happened was he broke his tibia right. and then his ankle dislocated. Okay. First first of all, I can't imagine how bad something like that hurts. Oh my god. I know. And the, I know. the fall itself I don't know if you've watched it since. I have not. You haven't? No. Oh, I've I watched haven't. it many times. <laughs> I've studied glutton it. for punishment. No, I've just studied it like the Zapruder film because it's interesting <laughs> to me, which is also something a glutton for punishment would do. Yeah, I've noticed you do this. With these types of things where I'm just like, it's done, it's over, I'm not going to watch that again. You go back and you find these little details that yeah. you then bring up to me and be like, Sean, did you notice? Yeah. In the thing, I'm like, no. Like the scoring thing. Yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't notice that. Like, J- no. Dude, Jalen put up, he, he got two on that, you know. At least we scored. If there's a silver lining, if there's a spin zone about the Hayward injury, is we got two out it's of that It's like play. when Brady went down with the ACL in 08, he completed a long pass to Moss on it. That's right. Did the Patriots win that day? Yeah. They're playing the Chiefs, right? I think they won. Yeah. Here's the thing. I did rewatch it many times. Right. Because I'm fascinated by that stuff. Even though it's gruesome, I kind of need to face it in a way. Right. Um, And the way he landed was so weird. He, like, it was just a freak thing where his, like, his toe on his left foot, like, got caught and he fell opposite. And his whole leg got caught under him and twisted. And he, like... Basically landed with a thud because he fell with all his body weight, but in the process of doing that, turned his ankle and leg and landed on it full force. I've really never seen anything like it. You describing this to me is making me like very uncomfortable. Should I keep going? No, no, no. It it, it sucks. It sucks for a lot of reasons. Him as a person having to deal with that. It sucks for Celtics fans. Sucks for the team. It just sucks because like I'm still very excited for this NBA season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of interesting teams. But it's just a little less interesting now. It is, yeah, because I can't say I'm like as as interesting as the Cavs could be on paper. I can't say I'm that compelled by a Derrick Rose and <laughs> right, D Wade right. on the Cavs. I am interested to see teams like the Sixers, even though they probably won't be that good. No, just I, to see like how they play. Honestly, teams that are going to be really fun to watch, like the Sixers and T Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, I watched a tiny bit of the T Wolves um, Spurs last night. Oh, how was that? Uh, I it was like I watched literally five yeah, minutes, yeah. but I did see Carl Anthony Towns score down low, and that guy's fun to watch. Oh, yeah, he's really good. Um, Knicks Thunder tonight. How weird is it that that is the first game of the season? And um, for them, for both of them, right? It's very weird. And uh, you got Lakers Clippers. That's right. Which means that you wash out on the wind's pool no matter what. <laughs> That's right. You can't be count- with a wins pool though. No, eighty-two games is a long yeah. season. You can't. Get, it, it doesn't even matter. No, you no. can't count again. You just be like, well, okay, it right. doesn't count. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> like the Lakers are probably just going to lose like fifty games this year. You, you pro- Forty dude, minimum. You my know? my fourth team is the Pacers, who might be just awful. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, but honestly, I had the second to last pick in that draft. So if you think about it, I was picking who I thought would be the twenty-third best team in the league. Right. So. Right, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, um, but yeah, I uh, I'm excited for this for this wins pool and for the yeah, season in general. I am too. I think it'll make me pay more attention to the league in general. Oh, I think it will. That's why I wanted to do it. Uh, yeah, so it'll be good. Um, I don't have anything else. You want to? Yeah, just visit any other NBA, and other NBA fans out there. Yeah, who are listeners, get at us. Let us know what you think. Yeah, the um, season in general. All right, I have my history thing ready to go. Oh yeah, let me let me just pull my the albums up because I did not do that yet. Okay. Um, do we have a Mount Rushmore? 
No, I didn't plan one. I do honestly. This week's been crazy. I had no time at all this week. Well, no, I know. Me neither. No, I understand. I understand. And Uh, and what I meant specifically was at work. Right. We have two new members of the team, and so it's been just constant meetings this whole week. Okay. Um. What are we on? Nineteen ninety-four. Yeah. Yeah, I had an intern start today. Oh, really? That like reports to me, kind of. That's interesting. Try to be like a responsible human are you going to abuse that power no no for like no just just un- unload all work on this poor intern is he or she paid he is yes okay yes as far as i know do you yeah. like having an intern it i think it will be good it's sort of stressful right now though because it's like training a brand new employee yeah luckily they're only there for two days a week though. I, re- I remember when we were before our office moved there was a point where our team specifically one member of our team onboarded like a work study yeah. student and so is it even worth it it's more stressful. <laughs> yeah worth because yeah. you're like when the, the days they do come in yeah like oh shit like i forgot I, you get locked into like the work you have to right, do right and he ended up like scrambling and being like does anyone have work for this person <laughs> yeah. to do like can we figure something out so they, uh, you know what i mean so they're busy yeah uh dude 94 94 loaded it is yes 90. not really loaded with history i'll tell you that much wow dude 94 pretty fucking good i'm, I'm excited a, to hear yeah all right, you ready? You know what's interesting too is it's it's pretty good and it's not necessarily a ton of albums that I necessarily love. But just yeah, but you it's like the, loaded the cachet with the of these albums. Yeah, yeah. That's, right, I'll put this course. fidget spinner away okay. before I. That has it. some nice weight to it. It's a hefty and, one. And this is like the cheapest possible. Really? Fidget spinner. This is one Mary Kate got I think for free. Huh? Here's here's a little for the listeners. All right, uh, I'm good <clears throat> to go. Okay. Ready. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one.